You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. scripture says lift up your heads O you gates and be lifted up your everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is the king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle lift up your heads O you gates lift the doors and the king of glory but there's a Candice said I mustn't introduce her. <laughs> but but we, we know her. But what I want you to say is Candice is one of the few people that I've traveled around the country and that, and I say to people, if you ever get a chance of listening to what Candice shares, you must do it. You know, and I wanted to say to you this morning that you are absolutely privileged for those of you to go to at our table, you are privileged when you sit under Candace's ministry, her teaching, her character, her lifestyle. I'm not trying to blow, I, I, I can't make her more than what she is. She's what Jesus created her to, to be. But I'm wanting to, you know, the sad thing often is that as soon as I say I'm not preaching on a Sunday morning, people tap out. But the reality is if Candace is preaching on a Sunday morning, you should invite your friends. Um, it really is phenomenal, it really is amazing, and so open up your heart and your spirit to receive something yeah. incredible this morning Amen. from the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who uses incredibly powerful women yeah, thank you, Lord. to demonstrate something of the heart of Father. Amen. 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 Some volume in the back. Okay, okay Richard's there. Thank you. And the muscles are going to the <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. That was quite a quite a morning and quite an introduction, Stuart. You might just have your first denied invoice after. <laughs> 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 so can you all hear at the back? Are we all good there? Yes, yes no, no. Apparently the e back seats they have no volume. Should have paid extra for those seats. Okay, so my, my text this morning is from Ephesians 4. So if you can all turn to Ephesians 4, and we will hover there for most of the morning, so you don't have to, to worry about that. Okay, so Ephesians 4 says, says there, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to work worthy of the calling which you were called with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we're going to jump to verse 11. 
And he himself, which is Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? There's a sevenfold outworking for that purpose. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth and of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Who knows who Danny Silk is? Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and Google the humor explanation of the fivefold by Danny Silk. You will have a treat. So I am not Danny Silk. I cannot do the accents and I cannot do the thing. But he explains the fivefold anointings in the terms of what each one would do if they arrived at a car accident. <laughs> so the pastor applies first aid, dispenses blankets and water. He gathers vital signs, information, talks to everyone about their emergency contact details and brings a sense of calm to the situation. The teacher arrives. They study the scene to see what caused the accident and what might be done to ensure accidents like this don't happen again. The teacher concludes that the drivers would benefit from more training and continuing educating requirements and puts a manual together just for that purpose. The evangelist asks everyone, if you were to die as a result of your injuries, would you go to heaven or hell? He speaks to the crowd of onlookers because he now has an audience. There are no guarantees that you will make it home safely. Do you know where you are, would go? He then leads people to Christ and then trains others to lead the, and do the same. The prophet knew that there was going to be a car accident <laughs> because he had a dream about it the previous night. He walks around the crash scene rebuking the spirit of death and calling out the destiny in various people. He discovers who's in charge of the crash scene, discerns whether this is God's chosen leader or not. If he finds no one in charge, he will appoint a leader. He looks at the cars, lines up the number plates, and sees a number, numerical order of what God is doing through the numbers, the colors, and the order of the car. The apostle releases the healing touch of God into the scene. He tells testimonies of how he has witnessed the power of God at other accident sites. The faith of the listeners rises, and they too begin to pray for healing. The apostle starts a school for those who arrive at car accident scenes and sends them all over the world to do signs and wonders. <laughs> but even as, I mean, and, and he goes on to different exp um, explanations of it. And I mean, Danny just, just is a character. But it just paints such a picture of exactly the function of how the fivefold is expressed out. And over the years, there's been a progressive restoration of the fivefold to the body and I'm going to give you a very short history lesson of the five periods of church history you can go and google it yourself and do 
research yourself. But you first had you had the New Testament, which was the first century, which was your first church that was birthed in Acts, led by the apostles. Then we went through the apostasy, which was the falling away. You went entered into the Dark Ages, the Reformation, and we cycled back to restoration, which is going back to the New Testament. And that's where we've been up until now. And even to explain it and drill down it a little bit more, in the 40s and 50s, you had deliverance and evangelists and evangelism. You would find an evangelist on every street corner holding up their posters. And if you would die today and it was the crusades and it was the tents and the evangelist was restored. In the 60s, everything and everyone had a demon. And there was just deliverance ministry and there were every bush moved, there was a demon. In the 70s, you had discipleship, family life, church growth, faith movement, and the teachers were reestablished into the church. The 80s and 90s saw the prophets and the prophetic. And there again, everyone was a prophet. If you were an evangelist in the 70s, by the time the 80s came, you wanted to be a prophet. The 2000s saw the restoration of the apostle and the apostolic. And now we actually, for the first time in all the since the first church, we see the restoration of the fivefold being established. But just as human nature is, with the restoration of each office over the years, human nature, the pendulum swings. So when the evangelist was restored, we did see the one-man show and the big titles and then the tele-evangelists came and you could buy oil and you would be healed and this whole pendulum just swung and we saw that with the restoration of each one now why there wasn't a major restoration of the pastor is because after the new testament church in acts it was thriving it was led by the apostles it was thriving, it was establishing, and it even says in Acts that they turned the world upside down. It goes on to say, because of the teaching and the apostolic doctrine, and they went home from home, selling their possessions, giving need to wherever, so there was no need. The early church was one of the richest entities that you could find. So by AD 30, the state got involved and decided this actually isn't going to happen. This isn't good for us. So that is why they put a bishop in charge and took the leadership away from the apostle and the prophet so that they could have leadership of the church and that they could have the money coming from that. So that is where we gradually see that bishops ran a church and pastors run a church. So we have this whole swing of the establishment of the fivefold ministry. And even when the apostolic was restored, there was again, you could pay money and you can join a network and you can say you're part of Apostle Walsarara's network. And these different things started coming up. And what I find interesting is that in 2020, we have a worldwide COVID. I am not saying God gave COVID. I am not saying God released COVID. But 2020 and through COVID saw the dismantling of every man-made established Amen. network and ministry. You couldn't have your strobe lights and your smoke machines anymore. <laughs> you couldn't have your mega church of 5,000 people yeah. anymore. You couldn't have your meetings 
which sort of centered all around what you wanted to do. And we could drop 150 names, but I would never do that out of dishonor. But we could not do that anymore. Everything was dismantled by COVID. And we saw 2020 as entering into a new era. We entered into a new era numerically, 2020. We entered into a new era prophetically by what God was establishing. And we entered into a new era naturally by not being able to be drawn or develop or go to or be around man-made structures anymore. Very good. And I believe that with the restoration of the fivefold over the last few decades and leading up to 2020, the great shaking that COVID and various world incidents and still continue to happen. We are having major incidences happening around the world and global warming is bringing a whole lot of other incidences as well. But we entering into this new era has brought a settling and an establishment of his fivefold order and government and the purpose of the fivefold to be manifest. What is the purpose? For all the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And we can continue and carry on. But one of the things that I'm wanting to almost try and bring across, because I can see it visually. So I'm trying to match up what I'm seeing visually through words. But I literally saw it was almost as, as we had the decades of the restoration of each office and we entered into 2020 and all five of the offices had been restored. It was almost like it released the grace of the fivefold to be released over the body for each and every member to operate and walk in that grace. Now, I'm not saying that we are all called to be fivefold, but something shifted in the new era that if you were prophetic, your propheticness is heightened because there is a fivefold grace of established government that is resting on the body at the moment through the restoration of all five. So if you were an evangel, you loved speaking to people and you had an evangelistic ministry, it is heightened in this period of grace of the fivefold being restored through the equipping and maturing of the saints. Because it's the maturity and the rise of sons that needs to respond to the earth's groaning at this time. And you can see that in Romans 8. So what does all of this mean for real life? So I'm glad you asked. <laughs> thank you for all those questions. So two weeks ago during worship, um, I actually saw we were in worship and, my, and I was standing with my eyes closed and I literally saw the hand of the Lord come and turn a page. And I felt him say to me that the page of real life has been turned and a new chapter has begun. And being prophetic, just as Danny Silk joked, I can see a number and a color like the best of them. I can give Alice in Wonderland a, Alice in Wonderland a run for her money when I hit a rabbit trail. I find that fascinating if a prophetic word was released in 1819 and it was aligned with that era in 2020 because I love it. 
But in the new era, we have to be intentional and practical to be a solution. The earth currently does not need more numbers and more colors, but we need to display Christ. So what does that look like for us? So firstly, real life. We are an apostolic prophetic house. We shift atmospheres. We change culture by doing things his way and not conforming to the acceptable norm. Secondly, we are maturing by taking personal responsibility for ourselves and each other. People of faith and the word, not allowing the standard of the world to shake us and what he has said over us. Thirdly, we effectively and with intent do not work. We do the work of the ministry outside of these walls, displaying Christ, whether it is on the street, whether it is in the boardroom, whether it is in your home, whether it is at school. As a prophetic apostolic house, we see in the spirit what the Father is doing and we release it into the natural by releasing the supernatural with signs, wonders and miracles, words of knowledge, wisdom and prophecy, demonstrating with power and authority the works Jesus did and even greater. But we need to have a few mindset changes. If you have a toothache, you don't go to a mechanic. <laughs> and some alignments need to happen for a fundamental, funda foundational shift over us as a body. So I'm going to say this strongly and with so much love. Stuart is not just a pastor. Stuart carries an apostolic anointing that shifts atmospheres and challenges culture. If we confine him to the parameter of only a pastor, we tie his hands and limit his expression to pull this church into the next chapter. Does he love us? Of course he loves us. He's the father of this house, but he's also much more and why i feel the need to do this is i noticed and it's not this isn't condemnation please please hear my heart when i say this but i've noticed more and more people refer respond and relate to Stuart as a pastor and something in us said which i loved and it's in here as well. It says, in the Bible, names are not just titles. Names are destinies and descriptions of callings. Abraham was father of nations. If he was to be continually identified as Abram, the Ruach of God would not have been released, causing him to be the father of nations. So Stuart loves us. Stuart leads us. Stuart is the father of this house. But if Stuart has 25 coffees in one day, and we all telling Stuart how miserable and unhappy we are, and he does that seven days a week, 25 times a day, he is going to be drained, number one. And number two, we almost tie his hands to effectively 
rise up with the apostolic anointing on his life to shift this church into the next season that it has. Does Stuart want to have coffee with us? Yes. Do not hear what I'm not saying. And don't stop meeting with Stuart. That is not what I'm saying either. I'm talking about the principle of how we relate, identify, and work with. And the same goes for Mark. Mark does not just lead a very good prayer meeting and preach well. He too carries an anointing to shift atmosphere, break into dark communities to release the gospel. And I'm not saying that we don't care as elders. I'm not saying that we don't care as leaders. But it's during this grace of the established government of the fivefold, we have an opportunity as the pages turn to walk in the grace of the fivefold that is being released. Equipped, mature saints, all doing the work of the ministry, walking in the slipstream that the apostolic anointing and mantle on this house carries. Your life group stepping up and stepping out through your own expression and gifting. One of the errors that the different restoration movements did as well is that if you were an evangelist, you only met with evangelists and you were the only ones right. And if you're not saving souls and if you're not preaching, you're wrong. So I'm not going to mix with you. I'm not going to relate with you because you're wrong. And that is one of the things that has to be dismantled in our minds and the way that we relate. Life groups is a mixture of everybody's gifting. We are all equipped to do the work of the ministry. <coughs> so we need to not try and make everybody look like us, sound like us, and do what we do otherwise we will miss a huge aspect of this grace of the fivefold because as your life group step up and step out from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies so your life group and the expression of what you're doing through your <coughs> life group is supplying so much into the joints of this body according to the effective working by which every part does its share cause growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love who wants growth personally and as a body Amen. but that's not going to come from the front row in traditional sense because it's the every person does their part your gifting, which is giving you the ability to do what you need to do. Your calling, giving you an expression through the identity of Christ. And your anointing, giving you your purpose. Whenever you see the word anointing in the Bible, it's generally an instruction to do something. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me too. Very good. Isaiah 61 is an apostolic prophetic mantle and anointing. An in-depth study of the word anoint reveals that it was used to consecrate people to a particular position or ministry. In ministering with an apostolic prophetic anointing, it means one can minister with some blessing of that ministry. 
again the spirit of the lord of god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to who to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord I want to just jump to verse 7 because I think that's so applicable in Isaiah 61. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. And it's just as we align ourselves into what the lord has released over us as a body when we align ourselves over the identity of this house as an apostolic prophetic house we go forth and we release shame we release justice we release double portion and double honor and their land they shall possess double our land and our nation at this time has needed the saints all working together. Not one person can do what this nation needs. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Very good. As I was preparing and I was just going through various things, and, I, and I've got a few other things that I, that I feel are a little bit premature to share as well that I'm still mulling over but one of the things as well is that as we come into all working together each one doing their part each member doing their part and we rise up as sons in the maturity of what god has for us we start releasing kingdom and as a people i'm wanting us to do more than reduce kingdom to someone falling over in the spirit or someone being healed it is all of that but it is so much more and i've really just been questioning the lord and i've just been saying to to jesus in my times and i've just been saying i'm, I'm needing to understand kingdom i'm needing to understand the scripture where it says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and there's something about stepping into, something about stepping out of kingdom. And I've been wrestling with a whole lot of things and I've been looking at a whole lot of things. And just during the week, I was just sitting there looking at a few scriptures I'd written down with regards to kingdom. And I just heard Jesus say to me, I am the kingdom. And it's just as we come through with the maturing of the saints, and we, like, I, I just, I, again, I loved what Inna did this morning because it's Jesus. <coughs> he's the beginning. He's the middle. He's the end. He is everything. 
And it's just as COVID has come and dismantled so many of man-made traditions, man-made structures, man-made theologies. We are standing on a clean page that has been turned to say, Jesus, what are you doing for us at this stage? What are you saying at this stage? There was something quite interesting that someone shared with me that who's heard that saying, I'm not going to say scripture at this stage, but who's heard that saying that the Lord comes and he's going to separate the sheep nations and the goat nations? How many people have heard that? And how many times did we in a prayer meeting, we've even prophesied that, and Lord, as you come and you separate the goat nation and you separate the sheep nation or whatever else. And it's become a thing. Who's actually read the scripture properly? It doesn't even say that. Not at all. There is no goat nation. And there is no sheep nation. The Lord gathers the people. And he separates the people. So there is a truth and a plumb line coming back to the body of Christ. So that we can stop quoting things that just sounded right over the years. We've made it a doctrine. We've made it a theology. And we've established it as the foundation of our church. And he is stripping us down to the bone. And he is bringing alignment to what we are doing. So that we can walk in maturity. The one thing about Ephesians that we can never, ever, ever get away from. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself. And the thing that that strikes me the most, 13, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we are needing to release the fullness of Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. But for me, this is a big thing, that we should no longer be children. And again, I I say this in all love. I'm still dealing with things. We're all dealing with things. But I've been challenged by people who have been born again for 20, 30 years. And are still needing. And again, I hear my heart. But the call is to maturity and growth. I have been, and I know Mark's alluded to this quite a bit, but I have been quite surprised at the amount of offense still in the body of Christ. And I'm not saying, I'm saying general, general. I'm quite surprised at how we still signal each other by what we do and not who we are. I made reference to this on the teachings at the thing is that who remembers Mark? No, I don't know who Mark is. No, remember Mark, Mark, the one who had the affair. That's how we refer to people. That's how we bring people to remembrance. To a large extent, 
we're bringing up people's past and their history and we're talking about their past and their history and we're identifying to them by their past as their history like children and the spirit of god is saying he is needing mature equipped sons at this stage and one of the biggest reasons for that as well is that we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and i'm going to add in as well by every news article by every statement by every economic statement by every government that is in place you know i challenged our people on the at the uh, table thingy around our table and i said you know i don't pray for a christian government because a Christian government is not going to solve anything at all. Nothing. Amen. Because at the end of the day, you can bring as many policies in. You can bring as many procedures in to, as to lead a nation. But it's the heart of the person that needs to turn and change. So I encourage us to change our prayers. Yes, we all want Christians in place. Yes, by all means. But the most and the foremost thing is that we would be a righteous nation filled with righteous people, <coughs> filled with sons of God Amen. making a difference, filled with sons of God responding to the earth's groan and speaking to the climate, speaking to the rain. How many of us spoke to the rains over KwaZulu-Natal or how many of us said, oh shame, those poor people? Again, this isn't a condemnation. I don't want to be a heavy, but I am stirring and encouraging us to start stepping up, stepping out, and moving in what he has released over us at this time. In us. Very good. We, um, when we were still part of NCMR, they would have the LTTs, the leadership training times and whatever else. And the one year Tyron Daniel spoke at Bloom, and he gave an example of the two seas in Galilee and um, in Israel. He said there was the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. Both in Israel, both fed from the same source. However, we have a Dead Sea and we have a sea filled with life. And there was one difference between the two. One had an outlet. And that is where I see us also moving as a well, is that with the restoration of all the different fivefold ministries coming into place, and, and by human nature, I'm not blaming anybody, by human nature, we made it so much about the person. We made it so much about the ministry that we built these ministries around ourselves. We built these flows around ourselves. We built the, the, the purposes and these networks around ourselves with very little outflow. For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. We would equip the saints, but we would not allow them to do the work of the ministry because that was the main person's yeah. job. Yeah. So we have a tremendous amount of little pools of the Dead Sea all over the place because the salt was going in and in and in and in. But there was never much allowed the opportunity for an outlet because it would take away from the ministry's name or it would take away from the organization's name or it would take away from the main person's name. And that was dismantled in COVID. And my biggest 
And I'm going to say fear is that we actually even do it again. That we have an opportunity to build the church according to the principles of the Bible. We have an opportunity to build. I mean, the, the Bible says, um, even when, like when I was preaching, it said, like, to the Peter, who do you say I am? I am the Christ. And it says, and the gates of hell will not um, prevail against the church. And even that, it's, it's ecclesia. The word church shouldn't be there. The gates of hell will not prevail against the ecclesia that is rising up in governmental authority to make changes, to make differences. And let's be the outlets of Isaiah 61 and not be stunted by the, the inflows of the different ministries. Can we stand, please? As we stand here this morning, I just pray, Lord, for your grace over us. That we would be a people that would truly manifest, display, and show Christ. Mm, and Christ crucified. Nothing more, nothing less. But that as you have come and you have turned a page and released your plumb line over us, I pray, Father, that you would bring by revelation our part in the body, that there would be an excitement within us to rise up and do what our part is, that we would step out in boldness to do what our part is, Father, even as the apostles in Acts and they were mocked, they were punished, they were martyred, they were imprisoned. And when it came to praying, they never prayed for anything to be changed other that they would have more boldness to do that which they are needing to do. So Father, I want to release a boldness over this house to step out and step into the apostolic prophetic mandate that is resting and will be administered through the work of each and every person here. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. 